We at Refuge Ministries are so blessed by the success of Refuge Freedom Stories and podcasts. In addition, we focus on youth prison ministry, release kits, and many other diverse outreaches to the needs of our community. As a nonprofit, there are many costs involved, however, and we are asking for your support. Financial gifts can be made via our website at www.refugeministriescanada.com or by calling 519-701-0108. Your giving makes this work possible, and we thank you in advance for your support. God bless you. Welcome to Refuge Freedom Stories. I'm your host, Johnny T, and today my guest is Judah Lupicella. He's the author of the best-selling book, Star of the Flesh. He's also a YouVersion Bible app partner, devotional author, and an ordained evangelist and co-founder of American Revival Ministries. Judah, welcome to the show. No, thank you so much for having me, Johnny. It's an honor to be on here. We've had this in the books for a year, and you know we've been called for such a time as this, and there's someone who's listening right now. It's no coincidence that it actually was planned out for a year. It was for this very moment. The Lord knew that you needed to hear this, so praise the Lord. Thank you for having me on here. There's nothing like God's timing. It's perfect every single time, and we may not always see that, and we may not always understand it, and it definitely can grain against us sometimes, but when we step into that river and we just flow with Him, things just get better man i'm there amen brother tell me a little bit about how you came to know the lord and how you realized what it was he wanted you to do in life yeah absolutely you know i think a lot of people and i don't know if it's exactly the same in canada but very much like the christianity is very prominent in in america you know like it's over i think 65 percent of people in america claim to be christians so i was raised in a christian family so i was raised calling myself a christian but i didn't jesus at all it was just, you know, you go to church on Sunday and that's kind of the thing you do. I mean, I'm so grateful for my parents putting that foundation of truth in me. I encourage those parents out there, you know, raise a child in the Lord, build that foundation that was put in my heart for years. And it took years to get me there. <laughs> I would have called myself a Christian my whole life until I actually met Jesus and became one. Just, you know, trying to be a good person, you know, say your prayers at night, go to church once a week on Sunday. And really just kind of that's how life was until about like high school. High school, I got into, you know, those temptations that so many high schoolers and, and college students, and I mean, even nowadays, like middle schoolers are, are, are tempted with. It was the reality of this. Everybody else is doing it. And I want to fit in. I want to be cool. I want to be seen. I don't want to be a weirdo. So some things happened in my life and it just caused me, it's crazy. I had never drank up, like gotten drunk up to this point. This is about junior year in high school. And this one night just was super upset. And I remember I just poured myself a bottle of vodka out of my parents' cabinet. I put it in a white styrofoam cup and I just got in my car and I drove to my friend's house. And it was just like this, like I'd never done that before, but it was this moment of, I was just dealing with such hardship. I was just dealing with such hurt in my, my heart from a bro, from a 
relationship that didn't work out. And I filled my void in my heart with what everything culture and our musicians and rappers say to do, Mm -hmm. you know, because in culture, it's not said you feel sad, you seek Jesus, you find comfort in him. It's, you know, you feel sad. So I got drunk and then I partied. And it's like, so that's what I did. I I was in a time of hardship. I was in a time of pain. And it started this journey of where I started spiraling out of control. So that night really was just like a shift of, you know, I still would have called myself a Christian 100%, but it was this shift of my behavior and my shift of my attitude towards life. And, you know, I think there's those significant moments in life and viewers can even remember right now. I think God's bringing those back, recalling those memories right now, that specific specific pain you've experienced and there was a turning point in your life as a result of it. Um, there was a specific pain from a relationship that I experienced and it was a turning point in my life. And it was not towards God by any means. It was mm-hmm. towards mm-hmm. drugs, alcohol, pornography, all these things, you know. I started, you know, hooking up and finding, you know, pleasure in relationships that God had never ordained uh, and living in sin, not doing the relationships the way God called us mm-hmm. to do it. You know, really what it was is numbing pain that I felt. You know, why do you have to change your reality if you love your reality? Mm -hmm. And so when you actually get drunk and get high, you change your perception. So you're actually unhappy with the perception that you're in, the reality that you're in. So you take this drug, you take this drink, uh, even if you convince yourself that, you know, it's just a few or it's just this one time and you change your reality. And now you're actually seeing things through a different reality because you're actually, your perception has been screwed. So why would you have to change your reality if you love the one that you live in? People are in pain. And so they just try to change that reality. And so that's what I was doing. And it started this, you know, terrible trend where it's junior year and senior year, man, I'm partying all the time. I'm just trying to hang out with people who really don't care that I exist, but you know, <laughs> just because they're doing the exact same thing that I want to do, I get to a point where I have such an insecurity in my body image, which people think so many people, when they think insecurity and body image and bulimia and anorexia, you really think of women, you know, that's really what you think of, mm-hmm. but I have an unhealthy view of even my, just my image. And I think that was a big thing, right? Identity crisis where it was like, Hey, there's a void in my heart. There's a hole in my heart. I would not have been able to identify it then as a hole in my heart. It was like, there's a hole in my heart and I'm filling it with this. It's like, no, I look back now and there was, and so I did. It wasn't like, I just was like, yay, let's fill the hole in my heart with this and that. No, I look back, I had this hole in my heart. I had this unfulfillment. I had this sadness. I had this anxiety. I had this hurt and I'm filling it with this and that. And I have unhealthy body image. I don't like the way I look. And so I get to a point where I'm calculating my calories and only eating 800 calories a day and and getting to a point where I'm running eight miles at some points while probably eating only 800 calories a day, only eating protein bars, only eating, you know, egg whites and protein shakes. And it was just like never good enough. It got to a point where I convinced myself to inject myself with steroids. There was this guy I knew he did steroids and I remember I psyched myself up and I got money out of the bank account, got cash and, you know, went to this one dude's house and he's injecting me with steroids. I literally do not know where that came from. Like yeah, yeah. probably someone was cooking up this junk in a kitchen. And there was even times where this dude was on, literally on acid once injecting me with steroid just because of an insecurity and body image, right? It was that constantly trying to fill that void, fill that void, even though I didn't know it at the time, right? And so it's that cycle of insanity where it's like, I feel unfulfilled. And so I fill myself with this. I feel fulfilled now. And then I feel unfulfilled again, because that actually doesn't fill you. 
Only That's Jesus right. can eternally. But That's because right. you don't know that yet, and I believe right now someone's coming to know this, this truth. You don't know that yet, but now you do, that you actually see, you look, what was the last thing that fulfilled me? And you go back to that thing. And it, and it wasn't Jesus. Because mm-hmm. when you get in your life, Jesus, you will still have hardships. You will still have pain. There's still brokenness in your life. But I can tell you this. I've been serving the Lord for eight years faithfully. And I can promise you this. Through the hardest times of my life, I've never not been fulfilled. I've always been fulfilled. Yeah, there's been some sadness. There's been some brokenness. There's been some deaths. But the presence of God, the fulfillment of knowing that I'm known by him and I know him is eternal. And nothing can take that away. And it's something I didn't have. So I would go back to that thing. I take that thing. I do that thing. Guys, it doesn't have to be extreme. We, sometimes we like we see these major testimonies like drugs and alcohol. And someone's like, I don't do that at all. Yeah, but you have a pornography addiction and no mm-hmm. one sees that. Or you literally have a media addiction to where it's like you like can't even communicate with people because you're addicted to your phone like you get that notification every week and it's like <laughs> you spent eight hours a day your time went up 322 <laughs> i'm not shaming anybody y'all we all have our own struggles but when we don't have jesus we are constantly trying to fill our lives with purpose right and things that temporarily fulfill us and when we are left inevitably unfulfilled from those things we chase and run back to what last fulfilled us and it's this cycle of insanity of i'm fulfilled i'm unfulfilled i go back to what last fulfilled me i'm fulfilled i'm unfulfilled i'm go back to what last fulfilled me and it's nonsense the lord the god of the universe the one true god there's no other god every other god mm-hmm. is an idol cannot speak, cannot hear. There's one true living God. He is revealed through Jesus, the one true God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, three in one. You can know him and he has a purpose for your life. He has a plan for your life. He says he loves you and that your life is worth living. I have a buddy. He's an atheist. The Lord is going to get him. He is going to be a mighty apologist (laughs) for our times. He doesn't know it. He doesn't want to hear about Jesus. He is going to, and I'm going to show him this someday. Be like, ha, in the name of Jesus, you gave your life to him. But he has been searching for purpose. I gave my life to Jesus right at 18 years old. And so my buddy and I, we graduated the same class. And I've been walking in the purpose and the calling that God has for me. But everything he does, he has a spurt of a passion about something. This is what I'm supposed to do. This is what Mm -hmm. I'm going to do. And he runs after it with all his heart. And then it doesn't fulfill him, right? That job didn't fulfill him. So he has constantly been on the camp every couple of years. He's like, this is it. This is what I'm doing. I'm going to go to school for this. I'm going to go to school for that. I'm going to do this and chase that. And it's like, he's got this new passion and I love him so much. But what he doesn't know he's missing is Jesus. He doesn't know what he's missing is the one true God, a relationship with him. And in a couple of years, he'll be onto something else until he comes to know Jesus. Yeah, like, you know, you reminded me of the prodigal son where you said, you know, you were spiraling down and down. And finally, you talked about having the vision of the world, like the the way things look and the perceptions and all that kind of stuff. And what happens when we get saved? God takes the scales off our eyes. So, you know, like there were people that are listening and got those scales and those scales could be any of those things that you mentioned, right? It it could be their relationships or it could be their their career even. You know, but when when Jesus comes and he takes those things away, and I would even say to people that are listening right now, it's life. It's real life that we're living here when we're following Christ, right? And he says that he came to give us life more abundantly. And that comes, as you said, through knowing him and being known by him, right? So for the people that don't know him, you've talked about a lot of the challenges that are going on in today's society, and they're very real. There is a lot of effort by the enemy going on to keep people from Christ because he's preparing the world for his fake 
Christ, if I want to call it that, for the anti yeah. He's preparing the yeah. world right now. We can see it all around us. But even the people that don't know God right now that are listening to this, they're seeing those kind of things too. But if God is really drawing them, they're going to start to understand that this just doesn't seem right, what they're seeing. Yeah, that's good, man. Yeah, you know, I think that something as you were even speaking, I really think God showed me is just like a blind person doesn't know they're blind unless you reveal it to them. Think about this. If someone's born blind, that's all they know mm -hmm. until someone tells them that this is not the way it's supposed to be. See, the world views Christians as abnormal, but in all reality, we're not the abnormal ones. We're, we're supposed to live in relationship with God, mm -hmm. going back to the garden. And through Christ, we are restored to relationship with him. Mm -hmm. and I think there's people, those scales are falling off. You're like, oh my goodness, right now you're starting to realize like, this is starting to make sense. You're starting to see, there's no coincidence. You're, this is like not, there's no coincidence that you are listening to this podcast. Like mm -hmm. God has been knocking on the door of your heart for so long. You don't just stumble upon a Christian podcast. <laughs> It's literally God that you are here. You're like, maybe I, I did stumble upon it. No, you're here because God ordained this very moment. He wants you to know him. He loves you. He has a plan for you. We are not perfect. By no means are we saying that we have it all together. My goodness gracious. Mm. God is so good. Like when I feel like I screw up so much and I'm like, you still want to use me? That is love. And if I can just touch on something for a sec. I wrote a book called Starve the Flesh, and I was even just reviewing this chapter today, not even in preparation for this. God's actually been preparing my heart for this podcast before I even realized he was doing so. And there's a difference between condemnation and conviction. Actually, let me start with the condemnation because we're going to start with what the devil wants to do to you, and then we're going to end with what Jesus wants to give you. So condemnation, one word in biblical Greek for condemnation is katakrima. Don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but I confidently say it. <laughs> Condemnation means to have a damnatory sentence that the verdict is in. There is no hope for pardon, no hope for forgiveness, and no hope for salvation. Pretty much, you're screwed. Yeah. <laughs> That's condemnation. Conviction, very different. In biblical Greek, our alegos and alegho is defined as having your sin exposed by God as it's brought to the light to be pronounced guilty by evidence, yet receive a pardon from your sin through a new life in Jesus. If you don't believe in him, you stand condemned already. There's that verdict and there's no hope, but then Jesus says, no, I've come to give you a pardon. Everyone realizes we all fall short. We all sin. There is no person that you talk to that will say, yes, I am perfect. If they do, <laughs> you're in a cult. <laughs> That's how you know. If your church says that they're the only church and they're a perfect church, you're in a cult. You need to get out of there. <laughs> the devil wants to bring about that condemnation. Jesus wants to pardon you from your sin, but you have to say yes to him. And he's calling on your heart. Listen, this is so beautiful. This is so beautiful. If you look at Romans 8, like read Romans 8, because the reality is this. God's response to our sin was his son. God is the furthest thing from a hateful God, a God who wants to crush you. Like mm -hmm. there's scriptures all over that says God desires for you to know, for you to repent, to come to him. It actually says that the reason that Jesus hasn't come back yet is not because he's slow to fulfill his promise. There's someone on here, you're an atheist, and you're like, if Jesus is really real, why hasn't he come back yet? They've been doing this for 2,000 years. Did you ever think? No, you haven't. He's waiting on you. He's not going to wait forever. God's love for you is that he hasn't come back yet because he wants you to know him. And God's response to our sin was his son. God's response to our sin was love. 
That's the furthest thing from a hateful God. See, people like to paint a picture and cherry pick Bible verses to build their own theology of God. It's a false theology. Any God made up as partial pieces of the Bible is not the one true God. He is his word. He is the word made flesh. He is all of this. And when you read his whole word and you actually see it from the perspective that this is all his word, he illuminates the word. He gives you an understanding of why he does certain things and says certain things. And I think that we need to remember that he is an all-knowing God. Who are we to think and you to think that you know better than God? And I think that's where a lot of atheism and pride comes from. And often, actually, I'm just going to go into it. Christians who don't believe certain parts of the Bible, he still heals. There's nowhere in here that says he doesn't heal. Oh, actually, yeah, it says in 1 Corinthians 13 that when the time of perfection comes, these things will cease. Uh, Look around the world. The time of perfection has not come. He is still healing. He is everything in his word. And when you read his word, you see he is loving God. And you realize that he has actually been knocking on the door of your soul and your heart for all your life. And Mm -hmm. maybe you haven't seen it, but right now you're realizing, oh my gosh, Lord, I pray right now that you're actually putting memories in people's minds, reminding them how you've pursued them their whole life. I think you're actually going to start seeing these pictures in your head as you are driving in your car, as you're listening, laying down in bed, wherever you're sitting right now. I really believe that he's going to put these pictures in your head. Even while you're driving, he's going to just remind you of these memories that show you how much he is actually with you. Maybe there was a situation where you could have had something really harmful happen to you, and you don't really realize how you got out of that. You're now starting to realize that that was God with you. You think there was times where, oh my goodness, I must have just been in the perfect place at the, in the perfect timing or the wrong place, but the right timing because I got out of it. Like, you know, you're, you're starting to realize God was with you all along. I remember meeting a guy at a gym and he told me that some guy tried to kill him. It was trying to literally shoot him in his head, but the gun would not go off. Hmm. <laughs> Dude later came on Jesus. That is the grace of God. That is That's mercy. Nice. Like literally, holy moly, you should be dead. And it's like, there's these moments God is recalling in your mind. And you remember, you were starting to realize right now, he's actually pulling those blinders off your eyes and you're starting to see rightly. Oh my goodness, you've been with me all along. Well, how come that he did it for some people and not the others? How do you know he was not pursuing their hearts up until that very moment and they didn't say yes? See, he is knocking on the door of your soul, but he will not force his way in. He is not a SWAT God. He is not trying to (laughs) pound his way in and force you to abide to his law. He is the one true God, the God of love. (laughs) And he is pursuing your heart and he's knocking on the door of your soul. And he says that if you open that door, he'll come in and he'll share a meal with you. What does a meal signify? Friendship, relationship, intimacy, beauty. He will not force his way in and you have an opportunity to give your life to him, to accept him, to truly know him. But if you don't, there's a reality. there's There's a real hell. There's a real place for people who reject him. And that's not not love. Why would you choose to reject him your whole life here on earth and expect to go and be eternity with him forever? No, God's response to your sin was love. Our sin, there's no good thing that we could do to be forgiven. We're just not good enough. And so God knew that. And rather than saying to hell with him, he said, here's my son. And my son's going to do what you can't do. He's going to live the life that you can't live. He's going to fulfill the perfection that you can't perfect. He's going to die on a cross, what you deserve. Did you know that when you look at a cross, it's actually a reminder of where you should have been and the reality of where he went for you. And he died for you. He took 39 lashes for you. By his stripes, you're healed. These aren't just pretty sayings. This is truth. Jesus rose from the dead. They'll never find a body. There's been archaeological expeditions and they've never found him and they never will. The only time archaeologists are going to find Jesus's bones is actually when he's standing in the flesh as he comes on the clouds. He is coming back and he wants you to be there. He wants you to come with him. Jesus, yes, come. 
God will pursue you until you make a decision either to live life with him or not. Something that you said about God giving us his son, it made me think about the fathers that are listening to this podcast, young and old. What would you as a father say if somebody came to you and said, I need you to give up your son and not just let him go live somewhere else. Give him up. Put his life on the line. Would that really happen? Like, would you give up your son? I'm guessing your heart is going to say no, but God did. That's so good, man. You know, I'm reminding, I was looking here at the word, just trying to, you know, Abraham and Isaac. I'm, I'm, I'm looking for that specific scripture because it's so beautiful. Is God asked him to give up his son. It was a prophetic. No one else in their right mind would do it. None of you. No, you could say you would, you wouldn't. When Abraham laid Isaac's down for the Lord, now God didn't let it happen. God spared. He's like, no, 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 no. And he, he, he didn't let it happen. It was prophetic of what the father in heaven would do mm-hmm. and how he would give his son for us. No one is going to sacrifice their son. No one in their right mind, or their right mind, I should say. <laughs> most people would not do that, you know, but he did. He gave heaven's most prized possession. I heard heaven went bankrupt because Jesus is everything. The most prized one there is was given for you. Oh my goodness. Is that not love? How valuable are you? How valuable are you that God would give the most valuable one for you? You know, a diamond, the value is determined by the price it's paid, right? The value of your life is determined by the price that was paid for it. God gave his son. He bought you with the son, his blood, the blood of his son, so that he could know you. And he raised his son from the dead that we could be forgiven, that we could be saved from our sins, that we could know him. Not that we could do religion or Christianity. Yes, I'm a Christian. My goodness, yes, I'm a mm-hmm. Christian. But mm-hmm. that's so much more than what it meant when I was growing up. I was not a Christian then. I didn't know him. I was Christian by name only. That's it. Just because I was raised in it. If you're out and talking to him, hey, do you, if you, do you follow Jesus? My grandma was a pastor. My grandpa was a pastor. My mom was a pastor. Dad was a pastor. It's like, but do, you, do you know him? Oh, you know, I was raised a Christian. You see that. It happens. This is is a real life. These are real conversations. But but do you know him? Do you know him? He wants to know you. He doesn't want to know of you. Like God knows you, of course, completely. But he doesn't want you to just be acquainted with him. You can actually have the most deep, powerful, and intimate relationship in this universe, far beyond anything that you could ask, think, or imagine, with the God of the universe. There is nothing like it. Whoa. Better is one day in his course than a thousand elsewhere. And that is so true. There are times I've been in the presence of God, say even at church this Sunday. No church is perfect. I want someone to hear that. No church is perfect. Some people are, you're being, you are not the judge. You're being way far too critical of the churches that you go to. Now I'm not condoning unbiblical churches. You know what I mean? I'm Mm -hmm. saying it's like, you know, just because you didn't like the style of the music or just because, you know, like no one's perfect and God wants to heal church hurt. Even people, if you're, you're listening to this right now and there's church hurt in your heart and maybe it's very justified. Like maybe someone like really, really hurt you. Those things that were done to you, that was not the father. And so God wants to heal that wound in his heart. The devil wants to keep you away from God's people. The devil wants to keep you away from the church. He wants to keep you so offended that you never darken the doors of the church. One final question. What's the one thing you would tell people about God? And you maybe think you're not good enough. Or a lot of people say, I'm going to get myself together before I go to church. But nowhere in his word does it say, get yourself right before you come to me. All of you who are weary, come to me. This is the words of Jesus for you right now, wherever you are as you hear this. Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. I will give you rest. That doesn't sound like a hateful God to me. It sounds like a loving God. I love that. The one that knows me best, who knows all my sins, who knows how much I mess up so much sometimes, is the one that loves me most. 
Amen. Amen. And if people want to get a hold of you, where can they find you? So best ways to connect with us, American Revival Ministries on Instagram and Facebook, you know, www.godsarm.org, G-O-D-S-A-R-M.org. Contact us there. Yeah. We're just looking forward to seeing what God can do. Oh, obviously, and look on the Version Bible app, type in American Revival Ministries. There's a page you'll see it's American flag logo with the words revival on it. There is literally free plans that you can read and be discipled by, you know, like that is should not be your primary form of discipleship. You need to be in a church. But what I'm saying is that can be additional stuff that can just point you towards Jesus. That's We don't want to point you towards us. We want to point you towards him. Amen. Well, thanks so much for being on the show. It's been an absolute blast talking to you about the awesomeness of our God. Amen. Thank you so much for having me, Johnny. It's been a privilege and a blessing to be here, man. Likewise. Take care. Take you to the dance, leave you high.
hope that you have enjoyed the last half hour as much as I did. Thank you again to Refuge Ministries Canada for hosting the show. So until next Friday, may God richly bless you with peace, love, and happiness. We at Refuge Ministries are so blessed by the success of Refuge Freedom Stories and podcasts. In addition, we focus on youth prison ministry, release kits, and many other diverse outreaches to the needs of our community. As a nonprofit, there are many costs involved, however, and we are asking for your support. Financial gifts can be made via our website at www.refugeministriescanada.com or by calling 519-701-0108. Your giving makes this work possible, and we thank you in advance for your support. That's 519-701-0108. God bless you.